We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 220. On this episode, we've got... A few news items, and then we'll be talking about recent episodes of Switched at Birth, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the first season finale, The Americans, Enlisted, and Hannibal, plus some recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 220. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Hi, this is Kate Kulthick. I'm the TV editor of soundoutside.org and one of the co-hosts of the Televerse podcast. And I'm Stephanie from the TV Rewind Podcast at tvrewindpodcast.com. Thank you, Kate and Stephanie, for joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks for having us. And we'll just jump right into the first segment, which is uh, news. First up, ABC has canceled uh, Mind Games after five episodes and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland after, well, whatever the last episode is. I guess they did 13 It'll end at one season. Either of you watch either of those shows? Stephanie? I watched the first episode of Mind Games and I couldn't even follow it. So <laughs> I was like, this isn't going to last long. It's not going to have much of an audience and I'm not surprised at all. And Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, I watched a couple episodes, but the CGI was so bad that I couldn't even concentrate on the story. So it was done for me. How about you, Kate? Well, I'm a big fan of Kyle Killens, and uh, so I was excited about Mind Games in theory, but I I saw two of the episodes, the the first, and I want to say like the fifth episode, depending on which, I don't know what order they ended up running them, but I saw two of those, and while I enjoy much of the cast, I'm a big fan of Steve Zahn, especially on Treme, and big fan of the creator, Kyle Killen, it just didn't seem like it was... The it played to to Killen's strengths. It felt very watered down, or, or trying to be more mainstream, but at the same time that made it even less interesting and and less successful. So I was not surprised to see it get canceled. And also, there didn't seem like there was there was some push for it before it started, but it really disappeared. So I was actually kind of surprised to hear. It. I was surprised to hear it got canceled because it reminded me that it was on and that nobody, even critics. <laughs> Had, had been talking about it. As for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, uh, that one, I actually was surprised how much I enjoyed the pilot for that, mostly because I didn't have any expectations, positive expectations at least, for it. Uh, and But as soon as they, they moved it out of their original plan to have it as a mid-season replacement for Once Upon a Time in that same time slot, I was pretty sure it was not going to do particularly well. So I was not surprised to see that get canceled either. ABC has not had a happy time with Thursday at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. So, yeah, that neither one of these is particularly surprising to me. Yeah, Mind Games, not a surprise, especially after the, the way it debuted. But that, talk about a, a, a killer time slot. Uh, I think, like, three shows have come and gone in that in that time slot for ABC, like just this season. Uh, yep. So, you know, if you're, if you get a pilot picked up and then you see yourself scheduled at the, at the end of Tuesday night, good luck to you. <laughs> well, and it's, it's like the, the cancelability of that time slot plus the cancelability of, of Kyle Killen, yeah. of course, and Christian, creator of Lone Star. And Christian and Slater. 
Exactly, at Christian Slater. It was like a perfect storm. I don't know if they thought that like, they would all cancel each other out yeah. and actually would become the next Lost or something, but... <laughs> That's what I was thinking, is maybe that all of the... It was like so much bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> it, would turn, it would turn around. Although maybe this is like the the bottoming out for for all those, and it's only up from from here when you put it together. Yeah, that, that one was really strange. But Once Upon a Time in Wonderland... Even the even the ABC executives have <laughs> have said we basically killed that show by not doing what we originally you know thought it was. It was one of those where they they liked it so much that they decided, well, maybe we can actually fill another time slot. But any almost any drama on at the beginning of the nights on Thursdays just nothing clicks for for ABC there either and it really would have worked a lot better if they could have taken that break of Once Upon a Time and filled it in with a very similar show I think maybe more people you know that were already used to watching Once Upon a Time would have watched this on Sunday night also ABC didn't do it any favors by the time they started it and then after i mean it seemed like it had been like two months or th- or so and it had only aired like four episodes so it's not like it even aired on any type of consistent basis uh when it, when they did start airing it so that didn't that didn't do it any favors either so i'm sure that people that did watch like the first couple episodes thought it might have been canceled because then it disappeared <laughs> for a couple weeks and and just never came back, but yeah, those are two two shows that are you know based on what they've done. Not surprising uh, that those won't be back. And again, good luck if you have a scripted show that shows up <laughs> in any either of those uh, two time slots. I think it's really time for ABC to try some sort of uh, reality show or some other type of thing at the beginning of Thursday nights because. Apparently nobody nobody's looking for for drama in that in that time period really. They actually had a reality show in that time slot a couple of seasons ago. It didn't last very long either. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just who knows. But on the other hand, you have a reality show that doesn't do well is much less expensive than especially something like Once Upon a Time in Wonderland right. uh, to try and produce. So at least if it's not doing well, you're not getting. Uh, you're not getting killed on the financial side of it. Uh, next up, uh, History has renewed Vikings for a third season. Uh, either of you watching Vikings? No, but I, I know it's a, it's my dad's like favorite show, so he'll be very excited when he's coming back. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I, my husband watched a couple episodes, and he liked what he saw. I liked it, but it was one of the... I guess I didn't like it enough to like keep it, you know, to keep going. I only watched into f- the first season a little bit. Uh, it's really for me it's a casualty of too much you know there's just too many above average to good to really good shows (laughs) on TV right now and something's got to give and for me it was Vikings was one that I wasn't able to keep going with Uh, next up Lifetime Movie Network uh, will begin airing Those Who Kill uh, tonight as we're recording this uh, on Sunday nights 
that show was recently, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, was pulled. A&E pulled it after a couple episodes that where it completely died after mm-hmm. a Bates Motel on Monday nights. And it has now become Lifetime Movie Network's first scripted program by default. <laughs> uh, did either of you watch the first episode or two that aired on A&E? I watch everything, uh, not everything, but I watch a lot <laughs> of pilots, especially for our podcast. Uh, every network pilot that's not reality, I watch. And then any of them that are seem like they're particularly interesting, uh, I will watch as well. And this one I watched for Chloe Sevigny because I'm, I'm a fan of hers. I enjoy her. I, actually, even in this, I enjoyed her performance. I was not a fan of the pilot, though. I, I About halfway through, it took a turn, and I was like, oh, I, I have no interest in this show. So, yeah, it's another one of those things, kind of like Vikings, where Vikings, I didn't have the same issues of um, it, it, a seeming enjoyment of the traumatization of the female characters. You know, Vikings doesn't have that in the way that those who kill, at least the pilot, to me, felt like it did. So it's, it's a different thing, but in both of those, it's like, yeah, this could be good. It could be interesting. There could be something about this, and it could definitely improve. But there are way too many better shows that I'm already not watching for me to make time <laughs> for those who kill to maybe hopefully get better. Uh, but I'm sure there are those out there who are fans of it. So it's nice to see that it's going to at least air, you know, the, the, the rest of the order. So, so at least there's that. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting based on when they pulled it. They said they were going to, you know, try it on another night or, you know, that they weren't just not going to air it because it was odd enough to see a cable channel actually pull a show after a couple episodes because they only do, you know, 10 to 13 episodes uh, and they very seldom ever pull anything. They just let it air. And if it doesn't do well, then they don't do more. Uh, So to see something get pulled like that. And then you were thinking like, well, if it's not going to work after one of your top rated shows, you know, if, if you can't draw an audience to it on a Monday after uh, one of your top rated shows, although it's not like Mondays at 10 o'clock are not uh, full of shows already on a Monday night. That's got to be one of the most packed time slots across network and cable for, you know, for scripted stuff. So you're like, well, when are they going to air it? Like they're going to just put it on a Saturday or some other night. No, they're going to put it in a whole other network that's in their family of networks. Mm-hmm. On the most overfilled night. You know, if Monday wasn't bad enough, it's now on Sunday. Yeah, no, they went, let's see, we'll put it on a completely new network and on, yeah, and on like the second, one of the, <laughs> the second most uh, nights full of TV. But like you said, if... Uh, if you liked the first couple episodes and you were disappointed that it got pulled, if you were one of those uh, 800,000 viewers, you can now find it on Lifetime Movie Network if you have Lifetime Movie Network. <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, Sci-Fi renewed Helix for a second season, which I wasn't necessarily surprised that they that they did, but they also waited until the day that they were airing the last episode to announce that they uh, were doing it. Stephanie, do you watch Helix at all? 
Yeah, I watched the first couple episodes and it just wasn't a, a show for me, so I dropped it. But I knew it, it got pretty good and there was a good audience for it. So it didn't surprise me, but um, that's good. How about you, Kate? Again, I watched the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought, you know, there were some fun things about it. I really enjoy Billy Campbell. And I thought, you know, he was as ridiculous as it was to give him a 26-year-old love interest. Um, I, I did enjoy some things about it, including his performance. But it was too much uh, the thing for me to be interested and tune back in. It was it just seemed too familiar. And uh, But it is a show that we cover at Sound on Sight. So we have uh, one of our reviewers, Depayan, has been... You know, following up on it, and I apparently, according to his review, the finale was satisfying and set up an interesting potential for season two. So I know that there there is a dearth of interesting science fiction, and especially you know, hard science science fiction that feels more like science fiction as opposed to you know, brushed over fantasy or monster movies, uh, meaning Twilight. So I'm sure that there are many of Stiffy fan out there who's very glad to be getting at least an attempt at an, a sciencey science fiction show. So I, I'll, I can support that. Yeah, it definitely went to uh, some interesting places that, you know, they finally answered some questions as they, as they went to the end. And the final episode does something that is going to make the show completely different in, <laughs> in its second season of how, of, of what's going to be going on. Uh, with the way that it ends, so I'm definitely interested to see where they where they take it in a, in a second season. And with that, we'll jump over to the prime time segment. First up, switched at birth, uh, season one, episode eleven. This is the show with the super long <laughs> titles for episodes. Uh, love seduces innocence, pleasure in traps, and remorse follows. I mean, how would would you not want to watch that episode when you hear a title <laughs> like that? I mean, it's it's it just makes you want to tune in. So, uh, Stephanie, what did you think of the mid season finale of uh, Switched at Birth? I really enjoyed it. Not as much as the other show that it's with, but I really enjoy Switch to Birth. Thought they had they set up some really interesting things for going forward. We had. I watched two episodes back to back, so I might not confuse which one it was, but because <laughs> my DVR had a problem the week before, but um, Daphne had to confront her attacker and have to, I have to understand how she was going to be able to do a job in a medical field and overcoming that. I think that was a big thing for her to do and being, and finally choosing one of the guys and, and how that goes forward. And then seeing how that relationship is actually going to work out to have to be with somebody who's in a wheelchair. It's a big adjustment. And I think that's still going to continue to develop as they go. And then we had, um, Bemet finally got back together. That was exciting for me as a fan. Um, I like them together and lots of other great things. I really enjoyed the episode a lot. Okay. So while you like Emmett and Bay together, do you like the way they ended up back together? in that it seemed very much like Bay just did t- to tank what <laughs> Emmett did to her in some respects. Yeah, I was a little underhanded. But... <laughs> yeah, it just seemed to, it just seemed was an interesting, sort of an interesting story point to go where you get back to got you get back together with the guy that you broke up because he cheated on you and you're basically <laughs> cheating on another guy while doing so is, is an interesting uh is an interesting way to get a couple back together. It's not my favorite way 
I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of when, when shows take, well, when there's some sort of cheating going on to get a couple together or, you know, where these are the two that should be together for some reason. It just seems like you can, you can wait a little bit and you can close things. You can close one thing off before you start something else. I'll be interested to see if, how that goes, especially with what, uh, Tank did in the final episode of, of dropping out of his fraternity after what Bay had said to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be an interesting <laughs> interesting thing to see where that goes. But overall, I just think this is a really interesting show that does do interesting things with various characters. They have some interesting storylines going on with... I'm blank. Why can I not think of her name? But the one, the mom who's got the design firm, sort Regina. of, being, yeah, being used for her ethnic background because of where the project is. That mm-hmm. that's become sort of an interesting storyline. They do some interesting coupling on the show. It was an interesting storyline to me. I thought of how Emmett was tricked by the guy that he had turned in for slashing the tires at school. Yeah. I thought that that was an interesting thing is because they do a lot of this on the show. While a lot of the characters on the show are, are deaf. They don't necessarily make anybody who's like hearing the villain. I mean, that comes off a little bit. So it was interesting to see them make one of the deaf students just like a total ass. You know, he's a real, he's a real jerk and not just to hearing people or whatever, just in general that he would take down, you know, try and take down what you thought was a friend at, at a certain point in time. So I thought, you know, they do interesting storylines like that and give you different flavors of all these different characters and, and, and the relationships that, and it doesn't come off overly like smaltzy or uh, for the most part they they do a pretty good job uh, with the storylines and i'll be looking forward to see you know where they pick up with things come summer now i had a question on that because i and i watched this episode i have never seen the show before so it was interesting to jump in on a mid-season finale but i also noticed that episode this episode 11 and episode 12 is airing in june uh, so mm-hmm. is that in the, the, the theoretically twelve episodes in this season? How does that work? Is that, is that like actually the start of the next season, or, or is that oh this is a mid season finale, so we're gonna have like twenty two episodes in this? Like, yeah, I, if I were to watch more Switch at Birth, what should I be looking for in June? Is that a finale part two, or is that what? What's, what's I that, think what's it, I think it picks back up for you know a few weeks in, over the summer. Uh, oh, okay. For the show. Mm-hmm. I, ABC Family is the weird network where you're never quite sure how many episodes are in a season. I mean, <laughs> they, I mean you look at a show, you know, like, a, especially with some of their comedies where they'll pick something up, you know, like Melissa and Joey has like a 30 something episode season and then, you know, like a 20 episode season. And there seems to be no telling exactly. ABC Family with their dramas usually seems to do like 20 episode seasons that they break into two parts of 10 but then in this case they've uh they aired through 11 but it seems to be that I can't remember have they haven't aired have they aired 11 episodes since January I can't remember if they aired some 
how they've broken the the season out, but ABC Family breaks up their shows usually on 10 episode basis because they usually start with a 10 episodes and then mm-hmm. if a show gets picked up for the full season it usually is 20. But they do some weird things with the way they they pick up some shows and so but yeah, when things pick up it's supposed to pick up sort of where we left off here and pick up from there and go for I would assume at least nine episodes or so. <laughs> and maybe maybe another 11, but for some sort of summer run. Yeah, I think just the fact that it was an 11 threw me. Like a 10, I would have been fine with a 12 or a 13, I would, but 11 just felt so odd. It's a prime number. Um, the, the, I don't have anything really interesting to say about the show because I don't normally watch it. Uh, so I guess Tank is was Tank is in a relationship with Bay Because they just seemed like they were friends. Well, they, Without having watched it. <laughs> well, they had sort of... I guess I don't know if they, I don't know how you would term it or whatever, but they had sort of started. It seemed to me like they were dating in the previous couple episodes. Like they were still sort of on. They started out as friends, and then some things happened, and Bay started to see him a little different after he was very, you know, helpful and protective of her after she got injured. And so they they started to go that direction. I think it was was it in the I think it was in the previous episode where Tank and Bay started to sleep together. I can't remember now. And then they almost Yeah, and then stopped. and then Bay stopped it cuz she wasn't sure that she, you know, how she really felt about Tank and she was trying to I guess trying to figure that out. She had talked to one of her mothers about that a little bit. And so they were kind of you know, not I don't know how you'd put it like I don't know if they were like official I guess I don't know, but but they but they seemed to be like they had gone out on a few dates and and you know not that they were necessarily like exclusive boyfriend and girlfriend I guess but they were the coupling that you saw them paired up and hanging out all the time but still I think enough that uh, yeah there's gonna be drama you would be you'd be pretty pissed off if you found out especially after you took her advice and draw uh, that of where things would go. Yeah, and I guess the only thing I have uh, besides that, because I was curious to, uh, about that, listening to your guys' comments, and, and I know this is something that I'm sure everybody says when they first watch this show, but, and I saw I'm not being very original, but it floored me. And because and, I had heard of, I had heard of the show, I, kn- I knew that there was this show on ABC Family where they have a deaf character and they actually do signing and everything. I was floored to turn on my television and see extended scenes in in just in subtitled sign language it was wonderful so i think that i'm i'm so like amazed that this is a thing that is on my television uh that doesn't get commented on that it's just sort of accepted and normal i i love that and i was also very pleasantly surprised to see rj Mitty because i didn't realize that he was on the show and i'm a big fan of his from breaking bad so uh so i just the the, the depiction of of the deaf characters uh, and and just and also the RJ Mitty character and everything. I thought that was wonderful. And like you said, uh, Jason, the fact that it's not like oh well they're deaf so they've got to be the good guy because they've got to be the underdog. It's just they're characters. They're just people. They do stupid and they do nice stuff and they're just fully round, very rounded characters. I'm sure they've been just that's what they've been doing for three years. And I'm just very late to the game, but I wanted to give the show. I mean, I have issues with some of the performances. Some of it was kind of hokey for me, but 
the fact that this show is on television uh, encourages me. I always find those scenes very interesting where, yeah, for prolonged periods, they do, they'll have a conversation between two deaf characters that are just signing and you get, you know, you get the subtitles of what they're, of what they're talking about, but there's, the only thing you hear is maybe some background noise, like if they're outside or something, but it would be just the same as if you were like near them while they were having a conversation. I mean, they did, I think it was in season two. They did the, they did a fully like about three or four minutes into the episode. It becomes basically a, a a signing only episode where practically the whole, the whole, the whole rest of the episode is just, there's, there's no speech. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in the whole thing. And that was, that was very interesting uh, to see an episode like that. And, but that is, that is one of the, the, the more interesting things that they do on the show. But I think that they show like a, a whole bunch of different types of characters within, within this world to show, like you said, it, you know, they're, they're just a group of real people, just like anybody else. They just happen to be hearing impaired or, or deaf and you see them, you know, there's good guys, there's bad guys. They deal with good guys and bad guys that are hearing. It's very well-rounded in the way that they present things, too. Uh, and on a, a sort of a, a personal or a, a Seattle note, I, I, I really liked that they had uh, one, of the, one of the deaf characters was wearing a, a Coleman jersey uh, from the Seahawks, who is a, a deaf player who plays for the Seahawks. So that was, that was, that was sort of a cool little uh, Seattle tie in that they had uh, in the show. And with that, cool. we'll move on to the next episode or the next uh, show on our list, which is Brooklyn nine, nine uh, season one, episode 22 uh, charges and specs, uh, the season finale, which is kind of interesting that we're already starting to get some season finales here which in some respects is disappointing because there's no more Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the rest of the season, and it makes it an extra long wait for when it comes back. But the good news is that it is coming back for a second season. Uh, But we'll start with you, Kate. What did you think of the first season finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? The the thing that I appreciate particularly about the Brooklyn Nine-Nine finale, and other people have said this already, uh, but it's that they don't drag out the the Peralta Santiago thing that they've been toying with all season. I like that they bring that to a head and have just a very you know the, just the treatment of that relationship and just those two characters over the course of the episode was something I really appreciated. And I think we also, you know, I, I'm a little leery about what what may be coming with uh, with Boyle and Diaz. What's her name Rosa scary cop Rosa yeah with Boyle and Rosa I'm not I'm leery about that but uh, I, I do like that they get that out of the way in in this finale that they have a character spend a couple weeks realizing that he ha- has feelings for his partner and then he just says it and moves on it doesn't yeah I like that they don't turn this into some sort of like epic forever love that they just like this is what's going on in their lives right now and uh 
and, and they're just going to be upfront about it. And I, I appreciate that so much. We don't have like creepy stalker Peralta for half a season, you know. I've just seen so many shows go down that route, and this is much, much better. Also, I was laughing. So, you know, we're going to get, uh, if, if we get to see Andre Brower do some ballroom dancing and uh, generally be hilarious, I'm going to be happy. And so I thought, you know, just the way that this season has come together and this disparate cast has really gelled and how quickly they gelled. I think the only other new comedy that's had a similar kind of uh, success with that is Enlisted, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But, um, but I, I thought that the season has been quite a success and uh, I'm looking forward to season two. And how about you, Stephanie? I agree. I really love this show. It's It got better and better every episode. Really enjoyed Jake's progression as a character. In the beginning of the season, he's more of the screw-up, and he, he's not taking the job seriously. And then as each episode's going on, he's getting more responsible and trying to get his paperwork done and just gelling with the rest of the group. And it's just been really fantastic. And him really taking the reins on this case and saying, I really think there's something going on with this guy. I'm going to keep working on it, even though the others are kind of dissuading me from doing it. And he takes the initiative, keeps help, keeps doing it, gets Holt and, and the other one to, and uh, the other part, Amy to help him on that and really tries to still investigate it. And then, he finds out that there actually is going some something going on and he has to go undercover for six months, which is incidentally how long the show is going to be out. <laughs> Very convenient. And then bringing all the detectives together so that they can know what's really going on. And then he just has this fantastic breakdown scene when he has to really play up the fact that he's been quote-unquote fired. And I thought that was just fantastic. And then telling the truth to Amy and then leaving her completely dumbfounded and flabbergasted that he said this to her and then just walking away. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, I have to say I do like that while they, they, they waited, you know, they showed that they were, you know, kind of worked well together and and you know he had fun making fun of her and stuff like that in the beginning of the season where partway through the episode where he ha- he takes her on she loses the bet about the the number you know the number of solved cases or whatever and he she has to go on like you know like the worst date ever uh, <laughs> with him and then he reali- he kind of realizes there in that episode that maybe he actually, you know, likes her <laughs> a little bit and they, you know, he decides to stay on the, instead of completing the rest of the things that he had that night, they just stay on that stakeout uh, that they had got called away for. And from there, they, they haven't, you know, just done a ton with it, but they've showed, you know, a little bit of progression and, and, a, you know, of a few episodes, but they didn't, like you said, leave it into where you go into a new season and he's still sort of pining after her from afar or, you know, she's dating somebody else. At least they, they put it out there, you know, maybe things change after six months undercover, who knows, but it was, it was also a little sort of a grown up moment for, for Jake to actually do something like that. He's like, I have no idea you know, what the next six months is going to be, but I, I have to tell you. And then, and then it's like, but we can't have any contact for the next six months. So <laughs> chew on that. 
Well, it's really respectful. Yes. And that's what I appreciate. It because and again, that also often these shows treat especially the women as prizes for the men to to earn over time seasons of suffering while there was someone else who doesn't appreciate you know and it started off i you know recently with the whole jim and pam thing which the office did so wonderfully for so long but often it's mistreated so to have him just say how he's feeling and preface it with, I know this probably means nothing and I don't want to be the jerk who is trying to screw things up with you and your boyfriend, but who knows what's going to happen and so I'm just going to throw this out there. Yeah, I love that he respects her enough to do that. And uh, rather than just, you know, again, like they were doing at the beginning of the season with Creepy Boy where he was sexually harassing Rosa every week. Uh, You know, I I like that they are going a completely different route, it seems. With Santiago, so we'll see what happens with it next. But the, again, that, like you say, it's it's such maturity from a character who's typically so immature and follow you know without falling on the heels of him being so good at his job recently, especially. But you know, in this finale, you know, it, it it's just a, such a wonderful bit of uh, of growth for the show and the character. Yeah, I think so too. It it definitely was a show that seemed pretty well. It gelled very quickly. Uh, I mean, I liked it from the beginning, but it's only continued to get better. And for me, it's a comedy. And the best thing about the season finale is that it's funny. There's lots Mm -hmm. of funny things that take place over the course of this. Uh, Story-wise, some of the things that I liked, you know, leading up to that ending was that Santiago was willing to keep following up on this case uh, with Jake where she's normally the totally, you know, by the book and would be totally worried about her career type of thing. I like that she was willing to, you know, trust Jake that there was something here and she she pursued some of the stuff to to keep it going. I I like that he was willing to, you know, trust the captain and to to end up getting fired not knowing really ahead of time that it was going to be a fake firing. It was just, you need to get fired, and we'll let you know, I'll let you know why later. So that showed, that showed growth over the, the course of the season. But you've, <laughs> just great stuff in there with the, the, the ballroom dancing, and that Jake, even though he's a goofball, knows how to dance. And then, and then you have Andre Brower that just seems to be good at everything. You know, he, uh, whether the the sort of deadpan humor that he that he's doing, or you know, the super to be able to be funny while being super serious is is quite a talent. And I think one of my favorite bits, I think it was the previous episode where he was showing Jake some pictures on his phone, and then and then deleted them. <laughs> he was just like just wanted to let Jake know, but then, but nobody will. He's like, but nobody ever will believe you, and he deletes the the stuff. I just thought, I just thought that was funny too. That he's he's kind of come around a little bit and will mess with Jake, you know, just as much as Jake used to mess with him in the beginning. So yeah, just an enjoyable season. Uh, definitely, if you get a chance to. You know, if you didn't watch, if you get a chance to catch up on these episodes or watch some of the show uh, before the next season, definitely worth that. And 
with that, we'll jump into the next show on the list, which is completely different. <laughs> not, not, a, not a comedy. The Americans, season two, episode five, The Deal, the last episode that's aired. And we'll start with you, Stephanie. What do you think? What do you think of the, so far the second season of The Americans? It's an enjoyable show for me. I'm not as hooked on it as other people are. And I feel like I don't pay attention well enough in it because there's still people in there that I can't quite get what their motivation is and remember what their role is in all of this. But it's an enjoyable show for me, but it, it doesn't, I'm not in, as in love with it as other people are. But I like it. I like the relationship of the two main characters. And I think how their marriage has changed over the last season and, and, and four episodes has been really interesting and they're depending on each other more and really making sure that they are, have a trust relationship there. And then at the end of the episode, you could see that there is a, a good relationship there. So it's an enjoyable show for me, but yeah, I like it. And Kate? I'm one of those people who <laughs> loves the show. So I'm just over here going, you're crazy. You're crazy for only liking the show. <laughs> Stephanie, uh, but but I, it's maybe it's not for everyone, uh, or clearly it's not like a, a must-watch for everyone. But I really have been enjoying the season. I think it's been fantastic, and I, there's a lot that I enjoy about this episode. I'm not sure how I feel about Oleg yet. Uh, we'll see what happens with that as we move forward. But I mean, I, whenever we get to see uh, Elizabeth playing Clark's sister. That's always fun. I, just that, that those glasses with that wig is just always so much fun. But I, I've really enjoyed what they've done with Martha so far this season. I think focusing in on Paige especially, but the, the, the Elizabeth and uh, and and uh, Phillips role as parents. I think the way that's been handled all, handled all season has been really fantastic. Now that they are basically solid as a as a couple, you know that they've kind of figured out where they stand, you know, how do you be a spy and be married? Well, how do you be a spy and be parents, especially to a teenager, especially to an increasingly inquisitive teenager. So, and rebellious teenager. And rebellious teenager. And just the notion of, of especially Elizabeth having to deal with a rebellious teen. She doesn't seem like she brooks rebellion particularly well uh, or would handle that in the first place, let alone from her daughter. So I, I've been really enjoying the season and, um, I mean, we have the whole uh, uh, we have the whole icicles and the, the having Philip in with the with the Mossad agent. I mean, that whole sequence really worked for me as well. So it was it's been a fantastic season for me, and I, I'm looking forward to. You know, I had seen these first five episodes about a month ago, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing new stuff and uh, really getting back into this world uh, week to week. So, uh, Jason, what about you? Where are you on the, on the spectrum of American fandom or viewership? <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. Although I just caught up over the weekend, it became it. It's one of it was one of those shows that I kept letting fall behind because I had the screeners of the first five episodes, mm -hmm. and I kept saying, "Well, I don't need to. I could watch them ahead of time, but I, I could, could watch them anytime. Well, yeah. yeah, I could watch this and get it off the DVR, so I have space for the, the next thing to record. And so I, I started falling behind a little bit, but I caught up over the weekend and and watched uh, the episodes. But yeah, I just I just find the whole concept of the show very compelling of the quote unquote heroes of the story and just, you know, like things in this episode where you had the juxtaposition of him having to 
get a guy and force him back to Russia while at the same time realizing that he misses his home but can't go back, has to stay here. That was an interesting uh, storyline. Other things I find interesting, like this season with having the other agents and their family, you know, get killed and, you know, who is behind that is like an, an extra is added an extra element. All these scenes of Elizabeth staring out a window or looking at things, locking windows, being like extra heightened around the house based on what's happened. The show creates so much tension. Like, Earlier on, when they had, when there was like the, the road crew workers across the street, and but from her perspective, it's like, what are those people doing? Are they here watching us? Are are they actually just doing their job? Uh, all these different things they create, just incredible tension in the storyline of what's, of what's going to happen, where even though, because of the series, knowing. That if they get caught, you know, the series is kind of over. They still do a really good job of creating tension in these scenes where you're like, how are they going to get out of this one? Hmm. How how are they not going to, you know, when they're trying to take the guy and then the next thing you know is they've captured one guy, but somebody's driving away in their car. You're like, okay, (laughs) what's going to happen now? Uh, I think for the most part, they do a good job with them being spies and the kids. But sometimes, like with this, it seems to me that if dad was gone all of a sudden for like a day and a half, you know, and overnight, but yet you had to leave too uh, to go talk with Martha to get her to not put down that she's married on on the form she was about to submit for a potential new job. Sometimes those things pull me out of it a little bit just because I start to go, okay, are you, you really just, everybody's gone and nobody's noticing, especially now with the extra inquisitive uh, teen daughter. I I found it interesting that the, that the rebellious daughter ends up in a church group. (laughs) That, (laughs) That was the, that was, that was kind of funny, but I also like some of the stuff in here where they're, raising these kids and and like Philip gets mad at his daughter and says you we have to have trust there won't be any lying in this family <laughs> when they're lying just <laughs> like to their kids and everybody else on a daily basis is is an interesting sort of story arc uh in there too it just i don't know everything they do in this like when i was catching up with the episodes i was like why did i not watch these sooner <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, because originally <laughs> I tried not to. I I forced myself to stop after one episode because I didn't want to watch all five in one setting. Yeah, it makes it really hard to review. <laughs> it makes it hard to say anything about them or to, yeah. to do because, like now, having watched them all now and watching multiple ones at a time, it's hard to say exactly like what took place in each individual episode. It becomes one like super episode, which is fine now because we're talking about the first five episodes. But if we were talking about the Americans after the first episode, I'd be going, okay, wait, that doesn't happen until that doesn't happen in the first episode. I don't want to say anything about that. So I forced myself not to, 
but then like I said, I was like, well, I have them. I can I can watch. But now I was like, well, when it came up as a possible topic for the for the podcast, I was like, good excuse to get caught up before uh, the new episodes start airing <laughs> that, mm-hmm. I, that I don't have uh, necessarily sitting around. As we might say on this podcast, the uh, hashtag TV blogger problems. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but overall, just really in, enjoying watching the show and the way this episode ends with the Oleg thing and what exactly is he going to want and you know what is he trying to do there. Lots of danger there for various characters with him knowing. But that's the, the other thing there in this is I like watching a show that takes care in recreating the time and what it must have been like to try and be a spy or an FBI agent and, you know, follow somebody. They're following people. You you don't have lots of different cameras to maybe pick somebody up on or, or something like that. Like they do in TV shows. Now we happen to catch them on this red light camera or over here. uh, Or we have, they pass an ATM. Various ways to yeah, various ways to follow them or or their GPS on their phone or GPS in their car or or something where you're following them with a four you know, with four cars where you're switching off and you're using uh you know, the radio to say where you're at and those types of things. The way they recreate uh the times of of sending messages, leaving messages for people it's all it's it all just very much adds to my interest level because it's not although it still bothered me watching some of these episodes when they break into some place and they're careful about leaving fingerprints like half the time that bothers me but <laughs> but other than that uh, they do a pretty good job of of recreating you know the times of where things are set and that's another draw for me just a whole mixture of things that are really compelling to me t- on on this show. Anything else on the Americans? Uh, do you, I, I'm curious. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into it, Stephanie. What is it? I mean, because obviously I'm a big fan of Junk Kool Aid, the uh, brightly colored uh, neon pink, maybe Kool Aid. Um, why? What is it that doesn't quite get you to that next level with the Americans? Is there a specific thing, or is it more that it just doesn't has a connection with you in that way? I think it's just the the second one. It's overall. Okay. okay. Just curious. I'm always curious, like, what it is that, you know, because there are plenty of shows where that are like that for me where people are hugely passionate about it. A big one is, for example, Arrow. I know there's so many Arrow fans who oh, are convinced Kate, you're that killing I'm, me. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm, now I'm sitting over and here I, going, Kate, what are you talking about? It. How can you not like Arrow? <laughs> and I'm giving it a shot so many times, and recently too. I just don't, it just doesn't connect with me in that same way. So I guess I was curious if there's like a thing, because sometimes there's a thing, but then sometimes there's not. So. Okay, now the goal is for me to mention a show that I really like that Stephanie doesn't get, or that. <laughs> so we need to complete the circle. Complete the circle. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So with that, we'll move on from, uh, the Americans and, uh, it's a very interesting set of shows. We ended up here with <laughs> drama, comedy, drama, comedy, drama. But when we usually go through the list of shows based on how they aired throughout the week. So next up is enlisted. 
Season 1, Episode 9, Paint Cart 5000 versus The Mondo Spider. So, Stephanie, what do you, what do you think of Enlisted? I love the show, and it's such a shame that Fox is treating it like garbage and taking it off the air until uh, who knows when. But um, it's it's a really great show. Um, the cast is amazing. The especially the three brothers really play off each other really well, and each of them has their role. One is the the older one is the leader. The little guy, the younger one, is really enthusiastic and maybe a little delusional a little bit and the middle one's kind of like the aloof doesn't want to really be connected but they all have their role to play and they're really doing a great job doing it together and this episode was just fantastic loved it um we had them on the on the golf cart spraying the paint that was a great scene there and then they used the golf cart at the end to take down the spider which was fabulous and then we had um tom from heart of dixie played the bad guy that was pretty awesome um the actor and the spider was just fantastic it was so well put together and they had to and he was going against them and used a poop gun which i didn't know was even a thing (laughs) it was just really great i i'm loving the show and i wish we could have more of it soon yeah, I like that people kept Googling things on their phone going, wait, that's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how about you, stuff. Kate? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Stephanie, on this one. And I didn't even connect that that was the same actor. I mean, I haven't seen that much Heart of Dixie, but I've seen enough, uh, as well as his delightful appearance on Who's Lines in Anyway, to appreciate the uh, different, the, the different, very different role and the difference in casting there for going for that actor for Schneeberger, which is just such a wonderful name. Yeah, that character, or the show had me in the right kind of way for that character as soon as he said military, uh, which is, I mean, if, if he wasn't douchey enough, sorry, am I allowed to, what's our <laughs> level of profanity? If he wasn't difficult enough uh, when he was discussing his craft beer preferences, and this is from someone who enjoys a, a good craft beer. Uh, as soon as he said military, I just you know he needed to he needed to be pooped. He needed to be pooped gun, poop gunned, and uh, it was just incredibly satisfying. And I mean, and much like Andre Brower uh, can do no wrong in in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, just all the different uh, every moment that we got with uh, Keith David. Uh, getting his photo taken, they were all, it was just wonderful. It was just delightful. And (laughs) I, I I absolutely agree. I mean, I know there are different people have different expectations of, you know, whether they think the show is in trouble or not. I know that the internet loves enlisted or at least Twitter does. Um, And so there are many fans who, I feel like all of the, the 12 fans of enlisted, of which we are apparently to Stephanie. And I'm guessing based on your laughter, Jason, you are as well. I think we're all on Twitter. But um, but at least there, there's positive buzz for the show, and so I'm slightly more cautiously optimistic about it coming back. But if it doesn't, I'm gonna be incredibly frustrated because that would mean last year my favorite new comedy, uh, last season that is uh, Ben and Kate died, and that would mean this season enlisted my new favorite comedy would again die. And um, I don't know, I, and it, and certain other shows would be incredibly successfully outliving them both and that is just kind of wrong in my world so fingers crossed that Enlisted comes back because this was a a really fun season and a strong episode for at least now for it to temporarily go out on I I hope that Fox sort of looks at this show like 
we should give it a second chance because we screwed it <laughs> in its first chance was first they put it on Fridays, uh, you know, after Raising Hope, which I really like. But, you know, Raising Hope was already starting to was never a huge hit, even though I always thought it was one of the better comedies on. It was still never a huge hit. But then, you know, after that on Fridays, it it wasn't doing, you know, that well once Enlisted finally did, you know, premiere. Then Fox decided to show Enlisted a little bit of love by moving it up a half hour so that it got the Bones lead in. And that lasted for a couple weeks. And then <laughs> they moved Bones back to Mondays. And pretty soon it was... It played for a couple weeks with, you know, after Bones repeats. And then now... Fox moved Rake, which was already dying, to Fridays, and now it's following that and, you know, continues to get low ratings. And then, much like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it is a show that gelled pretty well from the beginning, especially the brothers. They were totally believable as family from the get-go, uh, and they've slowly developed some of the other characters on the show. But they haven't done the show any favors with how they've aired it or where they've aired it. Episodes have aired out of order. Like, uh, this is episode 9, but it was really supposed to be episode 11. They aired an episode earlier before the, you know, the Friday before the Super Bowl because the episode happened to have a football game in it, but yet it shows a relationship with the Chris Lowell character that he has with a, a woman and her son that he hasn't even met yet <laughs> you know that he that like a couple episodes later he meets for the first time so they've they've done some of that stuff with the story things uh, and then while there's like four episodes left to air i guess there's been weeks where they haven't aired an episode but yet have aired like a new episode of raising hope but a repeat of enlisted so there's been if you have watched it you may have and then tuned in again, you may have tuned in again and again, wait, I've already seen this episode. In such a short period of time to have run so many repeats of it already, that seems really weird. Uh, but yeah, just a really good show. I mean, <laughs> uh, with Keith David, when Chris Lowell's character is like, I'm you know, sorry about you know you having to get into that milk bath. And he's like, I'm sorry, I had to get out. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just the way he delivers that line was really good, that... You know, that whole bit of trying to get his character to snap out of his sort of malaise of, you know, like, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up sort of thing? And <laughs> is, uh, well, I thought about opening a video store or, oh, wait, I see what you mean. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of really good lines. And then the whole thing about the, the paint card going up against the spider and everybody else finally realizing that this guy is is sort of the, as you said, Katie's the, the douche that that Pete had said that he was from the beginning, and for him to finally get his at, at the end, that that all that whole story worked. But again, as I said with the Brooklyn Nine-Nine finale, the best part of it is it's a comedy, and it was funny. I laughed multiple times throughout the episode. So they tell good stories, they have fun characters, and a a growing ensemble that works really well together. And I will too be very disappointed if the show doesn't get a second season. Cause I would have really liked to have at least seen them try it 
on a Tuesday night. I would have really liked yeah. to have seen this show paired up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How is the show not paired up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine? So they share so many of the, of the same strengths. I mean, I, I love on both of them the fact that, you know, there are not white people, which is unfortunately not always the case, especially on Fox comedies. Uh, so, you know, it, and it's a, such a diverse, not just in, uh, not just in uh, race or, or ethnicity, but in, in age and in body type and, these, and, and in character and everything and personality. It's such interesting, diverse casts and very deep benches that they can draw from on both shows. I mean, maybe they're worried that they were too similar and so they didn't want them to suffer in comparison with each other. I have no idea, but, you know, it's, it's so important for dads, dads, to be the show paired with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and and oh. that's the that's the weird thing now is like, how do you, in some respects, how do you justify like renewing a show like Enlisted when a show like Dads did significantly better ratings wise, even though it had a much better time slot and a period of time to draw from? You have hope for humanity that 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 will correct in season two. <laughs> yeah, and and I say I I I really wish that either Enlisted could have got a shot in what. The surviving Jack is getting now after an American Idol, even though that's starting to, you know, flag ratings wise. Or I really would have liked to have seen at some point in time a Brooklyn Nine Nine enlisted New Girl Mindy Project two hour comedy block on because each of those, uh, you know, one's a little more, you know, may a little more male focused, one's more female focused in the hour together but they're also the types of comedies that they are in those hours fit well together that's the same thing i've been saying about i don't understand why trophy wife doesn't get a shot behind modern family very similar comedy style it seems like it would be more likely to get somebody who's watching modern family to stay and watch trophy wife than to stay and watch mixology uh which (laughs) Or anything else that they've tried to put behind Modern Family. Almost everything they've tried behind Modern Family has no compatibility with Modern Family. And lots of times, no compatibility with even the night as a whole, as a family, as full of family comedies. I would argue that mixology has nothing in common with comedy. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Personally. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. But there's just things like that that networks do that I don't get. You know, I just really... I really don't get because obviously they thought Enlisted was good or they wouldn't have given originally, but yet then to give it no shot and it dies, I don't know. I I hope you – know, I'm sure we'll get to see these four episodes sometime, but I, I really hope that, you know, <laughs> that they give it a second shot. Uh, I think we would, all would be uh, happy if, if Enlisted got a second season – you know, even just another 13 episodes that they could put on the bench to fill in a slot if something else dies a quick death or something. Uh, and if you've got something good that you just haven't found a way to get people to watch it yet, uh, and you're trying to build your comedy lineup, it seems to me that you got to keep things like this. I mean, when, you're, when your hit comedies aren't really huge, but you keep picking those up, uh, maybe you give something like this another chance. And with that, we'll move to the last show on the list, which is Hannibal. Uh, season 2, Episode 5, Mukozuki, 
or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Kate, what do you think about Hannibal season two so far and uh, this episode in particular? I I love Hannibal, the the series. Let me be specific there. <laughs> the series. Um, it was one of my. It was in my top five last year for the best shows of of 2013 and as I'm sure probably you talked about on, on the podcast back then Jason uh, 2013 was a crazy good year of television and and I've, I'm really enjoying season two as well this episode in particular there was so much to uh, to dive into and I'm sure we'll get into some of it but we have a dedicated Hannibal podcast at Sound of Sight that I'm that I'm on so I get a chance to talk for most of an hour each week <laughs> about each episode and I and I could still talk more so, things that I didn't give already the, say. Give us the Listener's Digest version of it. Listener's Digest version of it is I very much enjoyed Jonathan Tucker in this episode as the the um, orderly. I don't know how I feel about everything about that character, but I thought the, that he was appropriately menacing and shockingly well-matched with Hannibal, and I like the way that they handled that. I thought everything with Hannibal and uh, with Will trying to determine what he his next move was was going to be really entertaining was really entertaining particularly how Eddie Izzard played into that and you know the return of Abel Gideon was very effective this week and then when we see um, I mean for me I, I really dive into like the orchestration of the the soundtrack I thought was fantastic really specific a little distracting for me as a musician but 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 very memorable. I loved the the use of the various classical music. I loved the uh, the the cinema uh, the cinematography of of the blood with the water consistently through the episode. And then also um, the just I mean that tableau of of Beverly. It's so memorable. Mukuzuge, by the way, is the the and I didn't say this on I didn't say this on my other podcast is the um, the. What's the word? The course of Kaiseki, which is a multi-course Japanese uh, tea ceremony kind of thing, that is sashimi. So thin slices of fish. And we get thin slices of Beverly. And I thought it was so, I mean, that was, it was so creative. It's ridiculous, but it's so striking and incredibly effective. Uh, I very much enjoyed this episode, and I'm very excited to see what happens next. Especially the way they they played it out before you finally saw the yeah. full, you know, the full thing. And and even when they first show you, from the angle from which they film, it looks like she's just in a box, and then the camera pans around, and you're like, oh my god. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. and, and she's, like, sliced in half, and then half again, and so on, and so forth. Uh, is that one of the more gruesomely effective you know, murder scenes that they've uh, depicted uh, on this show, especially since you had basing it on how, you know, the last episode ended. It all super creepy. And you mentioned the music, a lot of scenes in this episode where you got the, the sort of the orchestration and the, the soundtrack and people talking in the background. And you don't really hear, you don't get to hear what they're talking about, but you don't really need to, it's just thoroughly creepy with the the you know with the the music throughout an episode of this everything works so well together the way they shoot things then added the soundtrack to it and then the performances the atmosphere that they create in this show is incredible and watching will work 
you know, from his various cells at the hospital for the, you know, for the criminally insane is very interesting. I've seen all these. I like that he basically, he didn't tell Jack. He said, you're going to have to find your own connection, which we see uh, from the very first episode that he finally does at some point uh, leading to that epic fight that we're building to at the end of the season or at some point uh, as we go you know into the towards the end of the season just supremely interesting watching all these very good actors like Eddie Izzard bringing him back and how everything ends up playing out with Hannibal ultimately ended up getting saved and just wondering what the reaction is going to be for Jack, you know, in this episode, he's talking about how Hannibal is a good friend and, you know, not letting his wife die. Where we know he basically flipped a coin to decide whether, <laughs> what he was going to do. And then and then plays it off that, you know, well, he had to as a doctor. But, you know, phil- philosophically, he was sort of on board with what she was doing. But, you know, as a friend, he couldn't uh, couldn't let it couldn't let it happen. So just watching all these things play out. You know, having an you know an idea of where things are going, uh, bringing back the Freddie Lowndes character, who's I don't know. After some of her experiences, I would not be on this on that sort of crime beat <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I think I think I would I think I would uh, report on something else uh, after a while. But just watching all these people play out, you know, trying to to play out their plans and the pace at which the season moves and just everything about this, I. I've started watching it. I I have to record it because I work. I have to leave for work. But I was watching it when I would come home from work, but I'd be tired. And so I stopped doing that. So I watched it Saturday when I was fully awake and could fully comprehend and pay attention to what's going on. Because it's definitely a show that you need to watch and pay attention to what's going on. Which I can only assume is the reason why more people aren't watching it besides the gruesome nature of it. Uh, I understand that that would put some people aside, but yet I'll say it again. The last time we talked about Hannibal is millions and millions of people watch Criminal Minds and it's just as gruesome, but this is a significantly better version of that type of show. This is a thoughtful version of that show as opposed to an exploitative version (laughs) of that show. But it was up 1 million viewers this week. Yeah, I... And it only has 3.6 million viewers, so that's that's a lot. Yeah, it's it's doing. I think it's doing pretty well. It you know ticked back up again uh, for its uh, Friday night airings. I think there's a good chance, based on you know how it's produced, and you know what uh, NBC actually is, uh, you know the cost for NBC. I think it's it's a it's very likely that if this continues with these type of ratings if you can get these type of ratings on a friday which are about the same or better in some respects than they did on a thursday in a prime viewing slot and they picked it up then how can they not pick it up you know continue to air it in, in a third season because i this is the way they're building the story and the things that they're going is i i want to keep following these <laughs> these people because you you know knowing what you know of, you know, either from the books or various movies and stuff like that, you know, at some point in time, every, you know, people are going to figure it out. And based on the first episode of this season, it looks like 
they're going to figure it, you know, more people are going to figure it out by the end of this season, which makes me think it'll make for an interesting next season. Just great performances all around. And like I said, everything just sort of uh, works together and uh, looking forward to to keeping up with the, the rest of this season. And Stephanie, you don't watch, right? I don't. And are are you one that doesn't watch because of sort of the gruesome nature of <laughs> the things that get depicted in the show? Yeah. Or is that type of show not really your cup of tea to begin with? Both. Although I do like Brian Fuller's show, so it is a show that I would like to check out sometime. I just haven't had the chance. All right. I think it's definitely definitely worth it. it if you can get, you know, if you're although if you're super squeamish about <laughs> various things, maybe not so much, but from an acting and storytelling, it's definitely worth checking out. Which uh, Kate would agree with, I'm sure. Yes, yes. It's not for everyone, but if you're gonna, it's worth giving it a shot. And and then if you if you can't handle if the stuff that we get in season one is too disturbing, it gets worse in season two. <laughs> Less graphic and yet so much worse in season two. But it's just so wonder. I mean, it, it's television that's about something while being beautifully produced, while being creatively written and featuring fantastic uh, performances from the actors and set design and costuming and everything. It's a very well-made show. It just is can be depressing and dour and uh, not nihilistic at times. Uh, and so it, it's not... You know, this is not a show to marathon for most people. <laughs> that's that's definitely true. It would be like, yeah, if you if you sat down and watched like season one over a weekend or something like that. Oh God, that, that would be no. It would, it would you would look like Will by the end of the weekend. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you might need to stay in a very sparse cell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a show for people to try. If they're not sure about, because it is such a good show and it's so well made. But if you know, if you watch the the pilot, it's a fantastic pilot. So if you watch the pilot and you're like, no, this is not a show for me, probably you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think yeah, like you said, Kate, it, it's not a show for everybody, but it also seems like a a show that should be for way more than it is. Oh yeah, it's 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 not a show for everyone, but it is a show for more than the 3.65 million people who watched this last week. And that's the fact that that is the third highest rated episode of the entire series run. Although, you know. if you look at it on, say, a cable basis, with things like a Mad Men or Breaking Bad, or some of these other shows that are considered both critical and somewhat hits it's doing better than a lot of episodes of those have ever had you know until final seasons yeah it's it's not like a Mad Men you know Mad Men when it returns will probably do much better than it had in previous seasons but you know there's been seasons of Mad Men where a couple million viewers on a on a night is a is a good night for that show so on on that sort of perspective of things it's doing really well but it's sort of on a network basis when 10 million people are watching Blue Bloods in the same time slot. It's not uh, mm -hmm. it's exactly. But again, hopefully we'll get to look forward to the rest of the season and hopefully we'll get more. And lastly, TV recommendations. Uh, switching things up a little bit here on the podcast. Usually we do uh, TV on DVD picks if there is something worth picking. But since there's not, 
always something worth picking uh, in the TV category, decided to uh, expand it out uh, to anything sort of TV-related uh, that myself or a guest or anybody that we have on the podcast uh, thinks would be interesting for people to check out. And uh, I'm going first. Uh, my recommendation is uh, we talked about the Veronica Mars movie and stuff on the podcast uh, last week. I mentioned the Veronica Mars novel, which I've started reading, and that's what I would like to recommend, which is Veronica Mars' The Thousand Dollar Tan Line. Uh, if you're a fan of the show and of the movie, I'm not a huge reader. I'm more interested in watching my stories play out on TV than I am in, in reading them. But it's very interesting to read a book that's a continuation of characters that you like. Because normally when you're reading a book, as characters are described and things, is you build a picture of, of them in your head as you're reading. You know, you build the scenes. But for something like this, when they mention a scene that you, you know, a place that you know, you picture what you've seen on the show. Uh, when, you know, Veronica Mars is, is saying or doing something, you hear Kristen Bell's voice in your head talking about it. So I'm liking it so far. I'm a little bit into it. Uh, Ray, who's original member of the TV Times 3 team, uh, loved it, read it in one setting, <laughs> just uh, flew through it and uh, loved it. But I mentioned, uh, you know, I hear, you hear the characters' voices. If you would like to hear it read by Kristen Bell herself. The audio version is actually narrated by Kristen Bell, so you can uh, you can get that as well. And you can get it at Audible. Uh, you can go to tvtimes3.com slash audible, and if you sign up there for a free month, you could download it for free, so even better. And with that, I'll move on to uh, Kate. What is your recommendation? My recommendation is a documentary series from last year, called Time of Death that aired on Showtime. And this is one that I saw pop up on a couple end-of-year best-of lists, but you know, just, just two of them, I think. I looked at many, many to make sure I was you know, getting a full sense of 2013 at the end of last year. And I didn't get a chance to watch it until this year, and I am now regretting that because it would have been in my top 10 and maybe my top 5 shows of 2013. It's an amazing, amazing documentary series. It's only six episodes, and it is... It follows, each episode follows two people uh, as they go through, or sets of people, I should say, as they prepare to die. And these are terminal patients uh, who are nearing the end of their life. And so throughout the six episode season, there is one person who is dying of, of cancer and her family that we follow. And then each episode also features another person who is, you know, in their experience as they get, you know, prepare to die, as they, you know, put their, their you know, reflect on their life. And, and, you know, just it sort of follows them and, and you get the sense of what their day-to-day experience is like, what, you know, how they look back on their lives, how the, the rest of their family is affected by this, and also just what their day-to-day experience is as they have cancer, as they have, as they have, um, like there's one character who I want to say has uh, ALS, uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, I don't remember the correct acronym uh but but it's just incredibly moving and it's it's a respectful and unflinching look at the end of life and at what that means in this country and as at the way that 
as a, as a nation, we try to sanitize what that means and, and shut it away in a corner. And it's incredibly compelling. You would think you hear that description and you go, oh, God, depressing. But it, it shows every side of, of life. And it's something that I'm astounded more people were not talking about last year. I think people just didn't make time for it or didn't see it or didn't know it existed, much like I didn't until the last weeks of December last year. But it truly is beautiful, phenomenal uh, television, and uh, and it's it's something that I it, it absolutely it, it, it sounds strange, but I watched some of this while I was you know powering through some uh, like ten or fifteen miles on a treadmill, uh, and it basically it was so engrossing that I forgot where I was and I turned around and I you know, walked 15 miles. Uh, it's it's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly well-made and incredibly respectful and incredibly underseen. That is Time of Death. Please, everyone, go check it out. You can find it on, sh- you know, Showtime On Demand. If you have mm-hmm. uh, uh, if you have Showtime, you can find it in the Showtime On Demand section on your local cable. Or you can find it, watch it via the Showtime Anytime app on your iPad or iPhone or Android devices or whatnot that you can mm-hmm. download the apps on, and uh, that's uh, another place uh, to watch it. I haven't seen it. Uh, Stephanie, have you happened to have seen it? No, I don't have Showtime, so I haven't checked it out. That would make it tough to do. It's not available <laughs> on DVD as of yet, so your only mm-hmm. way to see it is via either, as I said, the on-demand or through the Showtime app if you are a Showtime subscriber. And... Lastly, Stephanie, what is your uh, recommendation this week? I wanted to talk a little bit about TV Talk. Um, that is a network of podcasters that um, come together and um, they acquire two hosts of various experiences. Most of them are experienced broadcasters in some way, and they watch the show um, live and take notes, and they do a reaction kind of show where they kind of recap it and review the show in a 20-minute or less format. And then it's produced overnight, and it magically appears um, the next morning on their app, which is really well done. Um, And I started working with them last spring, which is when they started the network. They really launched something. They expanded the network significantly last fall. And one of the original producers was Daryl Darnell, who's been on this show a couple times. And now they have a couple more producers, so they're really doing great content right now. And I'm actually currently doing the Grimm show, so that's been a lot of fun this season. And it's really great. They have an iOS and Android app that are free to download. And most recently, in the last week, they've also partnered with Viggle, which is... um, another TV watching app and a couple of their shows are now partnered with TV talk. So it's been a lot of fun been experimenting with Viggle now that I have the relationship with TV talk and it's been really great. So check it out. TV talk and Viggle. Yeah. TV talk. They do. There's probably, I don't know, 30 plus different shows right now that has new episodes of, for each of uh, each week as, as new episodes air. Uh, the the thing I find I, I like about the TV Talk app is the the talk back. Mm-hmm. Is you can if you want to leave a comment on the show or about the show, you can just click right there in the app and record it, and it adds it into uh, you know the the feedback section for that 
that episode of of the of the sort of a podcast. But if you're interested in only certain shows, or you can't get enough of, say, Grimm, or you know, hearing about those types of shows, you can listen to people talk about uh, those, and they're there. The you know, like like Stephanie said, they're there the next morning after the episode airs. So it's something. Uh, it's similar to like an after buzz, and there's some others that are doing some post show. You know, recaps of things, but I I really like how this how the app works with like I said with the feedback and you know adding a show to your favorites and and being able to uh, to to listen and that you there each show is kept like you mentioned to around twenty minutes so they get in there's usually you know sort of a a question of the week and then they they talk about what happened on the show and and then kind of get out so. It's almost like this podcast, we hit on like one show or, you know, we hit on five shows for a few minutes. You could go in and pick your five favorite shows and and listen to those on a, on a weekly basis. Have you checked out the TV Talk app, Kate? Not yet. I'm going to have to take a look. I'm shockingly, for someone who makes their own podcast every week, puts together their own podcast, I'm shockingly incompetent with apps. <laughs> uh, I, I just figured out that there's a WordPress app. And I've only been writing for Sound on Sight, which is a WordPress kind of format, uh, for two years now, almost three years. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, oh, there are podcasting apps. I'll have to look into that. So this was informative. So thank you for, for, for mentioning it, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can listen online as well as in the app. So it's very accessible. And, and I think if you – I think they it, it works like, you know, like a Stitcher and stuff like that, that if you sign in with your account, that if you stopped listening on – the website you could pick up that same spot on the on the app i think and, and stuff like that so you could uh, move back and forth without losing where you are in a particular episode uh, but yeah definitely definitely something worth checking out if you're a tv fan uh, but like as you say kate as a you know somebody who produces a podcast and does a podcast i tend to i mean there's even other podcasts out there that are just single show podcast but i tend to listen to other podcasts like yours <laughs> or you know firewall and iceberg or uh you know ryan and ryan. ryan and ryan you know other podcasts that talk about a multitude of shows during a given you know but i think you know there's there's room for for everything i i tend to be interested in uh like this podcast where i don't think necessarily always there's always something to talk about uh, that's why I think something like TV Talk is interesting in that they've in the shows that they pick, they don't have, uh, you know, they don't have a TV Talk app, you know, episode for everything. Uh, they tend to go t- more towards the shows like, you know, like an Arrow or a Grimm or stuff like that that has more likelihood that things are happening on a weekly basis to be able to talk about. Uh, but for me, I kind of like the podcast where like we do here is where we pick the shows that really stuck out to us in a given week and focus on those. But then I also, you know, tend to listen to every once in a while, a handful of podcasts on individual shows that I really like, like an arrow or, (laughs) or something like that. This is just a long way of getting me to feel bad about not listening to arrow, isn't it? That's, That's what I'm picking up on. Just one last little shot as we as we end the podcast. 
Uh, next <laughs> week, uh, Amory will be back with me, and our guest will be somebody. There will be a third person on the podcast. Uh, don't have them scheduled as of yet. And you can find the links uh, to the news stories we talked about, as well as the recommendations we made to, to Veronica Mars' $1,000 tan line, the Time of Death documentary, and where and how you can get uh, the TV Talk app. And we'll have those in the show notes, as well as where you can find Kate and Stephanie online and their podcasts. Uh, we'll have links to all that stuff at tvtimes3.com slash 220. There you can also let us know what you thought about the shows we talked about. Are you watching Switch at Birth? Uh, did you enjoy Brooklyn Nine-Nine as much as we did? Uh, are you a, a pink Kool-Aid drinking fan of the Americans or are you, or somewhere <laughs> somewhere lesser than that? Would you like to see a second season of Enlisted? Uh, and Or have you been watching? And if you haven't been watching, how come you haven't been watching? Uh, I'm always interested in that as it's, if there's a show out there that I really like, but it's not being found, I'm always interested to find out from people, you know, if they've heard about the show and if they have, why is it that they haven't, you know, tried it out? And, or, you know, what did you think of the latest episode of, of Hannibal? Let us know about those. You can leave uh, your comments in the show notes, or you can always email us uh, via feedback at tvtimes3.com. And with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party from the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And once again, Kate and Stephanie, thanks for joining me on episode 220. It's been fun. Thanks. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of beers.